Some view running away as a sign of weakness, but Pastor Ed Taylor says it's the wisest move you can make at times. Truly, the more mature we become in the things of the Lord, the more careful we need to be in exercising our liberties and our freedoms. While you may be stronger than that other believer, because that often is the case, right? I'm, you know, compared to so-and-so, I'm all right. Okay. You might be stronger than that other believer. You're not stronger than God. And that's really the comparison that we need to make. It's too dangerous to flirt with sin and tempt God. Instead, stay pure and flee idolatry or flee sexual immorality or flee ungodliness or flee worldly lust or flee lust. Whatever it, run away, no matter what the cost is. This is amazing grace. It's great to have you alongside us as we present Abounding Grace. The Lord has given the Christian a great amount of liberty, but as we're learning in 1 Corinthians, we need to learn how to handle them in a God-glorifying way. Just as it was in the city of Corinth, there are a good number of people today planting themselves way too close to sin in the world, all in the name of liberty. The problem is, over time, it becomes very easy to cross the line, and before you know it, you're referring to sin as a liberty. We meet up with Pastor Ed Taylor now in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 15, again, is another great verse as it relates to spiritual counsel, biblical counseling. You're sharing with someone a sin in their life. That's hard, isn't it? Isn't that hard? Where you make an observation of some area and, and then... And then you kind of, well, you know what we do? You see something in someone's life, you know, the first thing, I'm, I'm just going to pray about it. I see it, but I don't really want to tell them, so I think I'll pray about it. And that's cool. That's good. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But I guarantee you, in your prayer, probably within the first 30 seconds, God's going to say, go talk to him about it. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to pray a little another 30 seconds. Well, oh, good, because the next 30 seconds, God's going to say, hey, why don't you read Matthew 18? Okay, okay, that's great. That's different. You read Matthew 18. Oh, I'm supposed to go to him, me and him. Alone. No, 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 I'm going to pray another 30 seconds and another, because it's so uncomfortable. But it's part of ministry. Just come alongside, put your arm around. Hey, do you see this in your life? And the response, well, it's not always positive. You might even hear somebody, hey, man, don't you lay that trip on me. Who are you to judge me? Then look at your life. And I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to compare lives right now. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not even trying to hurt you. I don't even want to damage you. I just want you to grow in the things of the Lord. And, you know, if it was up to me, I didn't want to see what I saw. If it was up to me, man, I would have never wanted to know what I know. But because I saw what I saw and I know what I know and I've taken it to the Lord in prayer, I just want to come alongside you and bring you back to a place of fruitfulness. You got to deal. And, and it's, it's in those friendships, right? You want, don't you want as a friend, don't you want a friend to tell you? Wouldn't you want a true friend? Do you want friends to hide things from you? You know, do you, do you really want friends to know something but then hold it back? I mean, do you really count that a close friend? 
Doesn't it hurt you if a close friend doesn't tell you the truth? I think so. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's going to hurt. It's, it's going to hurt. The kisses of the enemy are deceitful, the Bible says. I don't know what it is in our humanity, but we tend to like the kisses of the enemy. Oh, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. But they got a knife like in your heart. They're carving out your heart while they're kissing you. And then when they're done, they got her, here's your heart. Oh, man, what'd you do that for? Because I hate you. <laughs> and yet that kiss is deceitful. And then the wounds of the friend, we get all mad. What are you doing that for, brother? Look at that. Why don't you? I'm like, no, no, no. I love you. And I see this in your life. You don't need, it, it, you, you just judge for yourself. That's where verse 15, you can just kind of tuck it away. Sharing the gospel, ministering to a friend. Just judge for yourself, man. I, just, just take your behavior, take this. and If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, man. I'm sorry. But if I'm right, let's grow together. Because when you and I get set in our ways, and our ways are contrary to the things of God, the danger is you've just set your course and you are not going to change. And it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to improve. And along the way, you need those little mileposts or, or like those warning lights on the dash. You know, if your check engine light comes on, it doesn't help to cover it up. Probably something going on with your engine, you know? The, the little gas thing that comes up. Mine beeps. Beep, beep. Like the rental car that I just had, it beeped. And I'm like, oh, you know what I thought? I wonder how many more miles I can get. <laughs> that was my first thought. And I think as things get beeped in our lives, you know, the light comes on. And, and we want, I wonder how much more we can get. And let me ask you, for those of you that have walked that road, what did it get you? What benefit did it bring in the Lord? Where did it take you when you ignored the warning signs and the lights flashing and the beeps? Where did it get you? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes you just have to, hey, judge for you. Just, man, I know we won't talk about it anymore, but at least I should said my peace and, and just judge for yourself, man. Because I really love you and I want to see you grow. The days are short. Now, he talks about this beautiful unity as he uses communion as a picture. And the early church got this. They, they really enjoyed it. And we'll get to communion in uh, later in chapter 11. We'll start looking that in depth. But verse 18. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those that eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. So verse 21 is a great example. In the grace of God, you have to say yes to some things and no to others. You can't do both. You, you can't partake of the cup of demons and the cup of the Lord. It's one or the other, right? Jesus said the same thing. Hey, look, no one can serve two masters. Make a decision. You know, Elijah, he, he would say, hey, choose for this day. Who are you going to serve? It's a point of decision. Joshua said the same thing. 
As for me and my house, what did Joshua say? We're going to serve the Lord. The verse 20, 21 is also a warning against compromise. It's all or nothing. Even if your personality is not an all or nothing kind, with the things of the Lord, you can be all or nothing. That's what he wants. You know, you might have that timid personality where you've kind of always walked down the middle and you don't want to really rock the boat on either side. That's not going to help you as a believer. There's just sometimes your life's going to rock the boat. That's just the way it is. You're like, well, you know, I'm just a believer. I'm going to be timid and quiet. I'm not going to, and that way I could just go right down the middle. No, no, sometimes that's not a safe place to be. Choose this day. Live in the love and the grace of God. You know, he says an idol is nothing in and of itself. It's just a little statue. It's nothing. It's plastic. It's gold. It's, there's nothing to it. So that if someone, remember the whole context was how they were eating meat. And, you know, so if someone offered a meat to a little plastic idol, no big deal. It's nothing. It's just meat and a piece of plastic. Nothing happens to that piece of meat. Nothing transforms like the meat. The idol doesn't like have an x-ray and start cooking the meat or nothing happens to it. It only happens in the false worship. The meat is still meat. So he's trying to sort things out for them so they understand the context. But that little idol, listen, that little idol, because there are still religions today that emphasize idolatry. And they encourage little idols to be put on your dashboard or around your neck or hanging from your rear view mirror trusting little idols to protect you or to prosper you or whatever it might be and so what happens with the idol is it's used by the devil it's demonic in its use to lead a person away from the true character and nature of God himself because everything gets summed up in that little idol like, well, this little idol is going to save. No, no, no. That little idol is going to do nothing. Those were made like a million at a time in China. It's not going to do anything. They came in boxes and they're just sold, you know, for 10 bucks. They're just, just a little idol. It's not going to do anything. It doesn't represent the true character and nature of God. God alone. The idol gets, doesn't the idol get all the credit? Oh, I just like Saint so-and-so. It saved me. No, God rescued you. And he rescued you not only from that accident, but he rescued you from your own sin because he sent Jesus Christ. And that's the point that Paul's making here. And I know it's hard to receive by some, but it shouldn't be. Just what the Bible says. Idolatry. Although the idol is nothing, behind that idol is a demon. And it's not good to have fellowship with demons. And that's what Paul's addressing, this liberty. It is not good to have fellowship with demons. It's not good not to adopt that. I want you to mark that word now in verse 20. The word, it says, they sacrifice to demons uh, and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship. You know that word, we've looked at it before. It's the word koinonia. Remember in Acts chapter 2, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship the word literally means to share in common. And the Jews then and even today understood the oneness in sharing a meal. 
Because what they would do is they'd take a, the same loaf of bread, just like Jesus did in the Last Supper, and rip off a piece and then share that piece of bread. You'd take a piece and share that piece of bread so that as each of us took a piece of the bread in, we took a piece of the whole and we shared in common. You can do the same thing with an apple pie. You get a slice, I get a couple, you get another one. <laughs> and as we share, we're sharing together of the whole. There is something in sharing a meal, eating together. You know, people that are studying even in the secular world, there are people that are paid like tons of money to study this. Do you know what they say? They say, the secular world says, that the families that, the more families eat together, the stronger they are. I wonder why. Because there's a oneness at the table. There's a oneness in sharing a meal together, in coming together and sitting, to, sitting down and enjoying conversation with one another. I know my family's gone off and on through this, but there were seasons when we would eat a meal and have the TV on. And then I'm just like, you know, we're all watching the show and, and we're, we're not talking. Let's turn the TV off or at least pause the thing. We'll catch it later. And that way we can focus on one another. We can talk about what's going on. And then when we're finished, we can go catch up on something else. But see, the early church, without any distractions, no cell phones, no text messages, no Twitter, no Facebook, no iPhone, no nothing, they shared together. They understood that. It was one of the most intimate things that humans could do, is share a meal together. Isn't that striking to think that's what Jesus gave us? the communion meal, to not only remember him, but each of us, as we took of, partook of the elements, they all came from the same place and it brought unity to, a, to us. You had that fellowship with the Lord, but you also had fellowship with everyone else in here. Isn't that wonderful? Even though you may not know everyone in here, you may not have that connection yet, you will, but you don't have that now, you still did in the spirit. It's beautiful. Even Israel understood this koinonia. As they offered their peace offerings, see back in verse 18? Even the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant understood that. That as they offered their peace offerings to the Lord in the tabernacle, and then later in the temple, part of the meat would go up as a sacrifice to the Lord, while the rest of it would be eaten and shared. And you know what that represented? Fellowship with God. Some of the sacrifice would be consumed and offered up to the Lord, and then some of the sacrifice would be eaten. And he says, look at Israel. They understood this. And it's a simple point in conclusion that Paul's making. Notice verse 22. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? In using your freedom, pursuing idolatry. Okay, so maybe all of us are con sort of content tonight. Hey, Ed, you know, I don't have any idols. Uh, I don't, I'm not bowing down. You know, when I get a Big Mac, I don't bring an idol out, put it right there and say, oh, to you. You know, as we walk through a Chinese restaurant, I don't stop at the Buddha and rub his belly or anything like that. Okay. I, 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 me either. But you know, idolatry is much deeper than that, right? This misplaced worship. This need to 
have someone in our lives or something in our lives that takes our time and attention away from true worship of God. And really the substance of what Paul's saying here is don't mess around with sin. You know, if you look at your workplace as a place for self-satisfaction, not just in your job, but with your relationships with your co-workers and stuff, and it's all about self-satisfaction, there's going to be a great temptation on your part to start flirting. Just in your mind, it starts very, very innocent. Because that's how everything starts, right? Really innocent. Somebody gives you a little tension, and you go, oh, I might give a little tension back. Can I just ask you a question? What do you think that's going to end? Well, Ed, it's, uh, it's going to end tonight, because if it doesn't, you're headed to divorce. Oh, come on, Ed. Don't be so exaggerating. You don't get it. Like, like don't the guys you watch in, I mean, some of you guys watch the shows where those guys mess around with snakes. Doesn't that trip you out? It's just like, you know, they're going to get bit. They know they're going to get bit. Like, what are you going to dance with snakes? Oh, yeah, of course. It's all, we were watching one the other day just dripping with blood. What do you think is going to happen? The thing is, is they get used to that. And they go, oh, you know, I got, oh, look at this. I bit all over. But, oh, my foot's gone because a snake bit that one. And they're just like, they're getting used to, because of what they've chosen to, you know, that field of study they've chosen to be, they're snake chasers, you know. I, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't even know what the show was. I'm just like, man, that, that hurt. That hurt me seeing that, that gal get bit. And it just reminds me, like, sin is like that snake. And, and I talk to people, oh, no, it, it won't bite me, it won't bite me. Oh, yeah, it bit you, didn't it? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I don't know, I, just, I like pet snakes, you know. And I got snakes that don't bite. They just hug. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen with that one? <laughs> Let me show you, you know. It's like, oh, man, it hugged the life out of me. And that's how sin is. And that's the substance here. You know, we may just dismiss, well, you know, I don't, idolatry. No, Paul's making a much bigger point here, and that is don't play around with sin. Sin always begets more sin. It always gives birth to more sin. It doesn't give birth to righteousness. You start flirting. Okay, so maybe it's not in some other relationship. Maybe... In your life, you of you, we can just use your, your workplace, you view in that self-satisfaction that you have opportunity just to take a few things, just a few things. Maybe you have access to money or there are just little benefits that you have, but they're really not your benefits, but you kind of take it. So you just take and, and you just take a little one, you know, just a little pencil. It's no big deal. It says, do not take on there, but you scratch that off, you know. It's, just, it's good sitting, you know. And just a little pencil. And, and before you know it, you know, you're in the cupboard taking boxes. And, you know, you couldn't see that one in your pocket, but now you're stacked boxes. You're like, whoa, whoa. And then before you know it, you're walking out with a computer. They don't need it, you know. They don't need the computer. And before you know it, you're, you're asked to, to come in because they've filed charges, charges of embezzlement in your life. You're like, it just started with something, not, not, it just started with not seeing that workplace as a place to share the gospel. It became self-satisfying. And 
you began to go in that direction and that's the direction you ended up. Where do you think it's going to end? And Paul says, don't mess around. Truly, the more mature we become in the things of the Lord, the more careful we need to be in exercising our liberties and our freedoms. While you may be stronger than that other believer, because that often is the case, right? I'm, you know, compared to so-and-so, I'm all right. Okay. You might be stronger than that other believer. You're not stronger than God. And that's really the comparison that we need to make. It's too dangerous to flirt with sin and tempt God. Instead, stay pure and flee idolatry or flee sexual immorality or flee ungodliness or flee worldly lust or flee lust. Whatever it, run away, no matter what the cost is, right? That's the example we have in the life of Joseph, this young man that was seduced by Potiphar, his boss's wife. He had every opportunity to take advantage of this woman as she wanted to take advantage of him, but he sensed the presence of God. You know, when you and I ever fall into idolatry, we lose the sense of God and his presence. We should never need any reminder in our lives to remind us of the presence of God. Why? He dwells in us. The Holy Spirit brings to our mind his very presence in our lives. And that's why you've got to be careful, right? Because the Bible talks about having our conscience seared with a hot iron. We don't even feel that anymore. You don't need an idol to remind you. Well, that just reminds me of God. No, God dwells in you. You don't need any reminder of God. He dwells in you. He is your life. You've died to sin. You're alive to God. God is jealous for us. That's how much he loves us. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and part of a study in 1 Corinthians. You can hear this again online at calvaryco.church or listen via our app, which you can find by searching for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, the big takeaway from today's lesson is, as you said, don't mess around with sin. If someone listening right now is doing just that, they're living in sin and even trying to justify it in the name of liberty, what would you say to them? Well, Larry, depending on what kind of uh, emotional state that they're in, because, you know, sin can mess with your emotions, uh, what kind of uh, state of whatever got them into it, depending on the person, I would say a variation of this, stop it. I would call a person to repentance. And it's important that you hear me, and so my delivery would be very important, and I know that you've justified it, and I know that you have reasons, and I know that you're enjoying it, at least to some degree, but to the person that's justifying their liberties, stop it. Think of others more highly than yourself. Surrender yourself to God's best in your life. Why live at such a low level when God offers you so much? And so I think it would be a variation, Larry, of stop it. Uh, and I don't mean that you would do that in your own strength, because I know the response could be something like, well, I can't stop it. And some of that could be true. You're so caught up and so tied up in the, the actual sin that you're addicted, and it's very difficult for you to stop. But the reality is, is that a believer in Jesus Christ is born again, the, has a newness of life. The resurrection power of Jesus dwells in you. And so lean on him, repent, 
express your godly sorrow and surrender once more to the God that loves you. There is no better time than right now to do that. And God will not only forgive you, but give you the power to overcome the sin that's plaguing your life. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to, and if today's study was a blessing to your life, we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Christopher Yuan's book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. This book will help you better understand sexuality in light of God's grand story and come to realize that holy sexuality is actually good news for all. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.